few people that we need to be praying for, and some of them that are normally here. Fleetwood Maddox is being treated for cancer. Um, I'll be going up there after this afternoon and visiting with he and Katie. Um, Joe Wall, who normally sits in the back table back there, has a large mass brain tumor, non-malignant, and they're working to shrink it with both radiation and chemotherapy. Betty, the elderly lady that sits right over here, normally is not well and has been in bed for a number of days, so we want to pray for them. And I want you all to keep me in the loop if you know people that are in the hospital so that we can pray for them. Father, we're thankful for the meal. We're thankful for the opportunity to meet around your word. We're thankful that we can lift one another up. And we pray for Joe and pray that the treatments that he's receiving in North Carolina will be effective and that you will give him a meaningful extension of his life and an everyday sense of well-being. We're going to pray for Fleetwood Maddox as this uh, cancer now is in a, a major organ that you would help all the doctors to know how to care for him. We pray for his relief of pain and suffering. And Father, that you would uh, give him a meaningful extension of his life as well. And we pray for Betty, that the doctors would know what her needs are, that she can be treated and that she can get better and come back and join us. Now, we pray for the condition of this nation. We pray with all the upheavals that are going on and now with people coming into the election cycle and wanting to run. Father, would you hear our prayers as we pray early and often that you would heal our land and that you would give us good and godly people in every area of our form of government. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, uh, Paul has given us an introduction, then he says, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast and is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial shall pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, thought like a child, reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, love, abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. As you look at this passage of scripture, love is being portrayed as an ideal, but the ideal is actually met in the person of Jesus Christ. This is a portrait of God the Father revealed in God the Son and then by the Holy Spirit to be revealed in us over time, but not perfectly. So when we look at this passage of scripture, we could put the word Jesus in the place of love and we could say, 
Well, Jesus is all of these things, patient and kind, not envious, not arrogant, or any of these things. And then we could put pride in the same place and, and, and change it around. Pride is not patient. Pride is not kind. Pride does envy. Pride does boast. Pride is arrogant, and so on. And you can see the, the need that we have to exhibit love in our lives as it's been manifested by the Lord Jesus Christ and as the Holy Spirit is working to accomplish that love in us. That's what we've got to uh, hope for, believe for. Now, when you look at this, a lot of people think they can just speak it and it'll be so. There's a lot of theology about that. The only problem with it, it's like trying to be Superman. You can try to leap a tall building in a single bound, but you're going to probably bloody your nose. That's not the way it works. But what does happen is we, we do have to have a vision of ourselves. If you don't have a vision of yourself and of what you should be like, you really have lost much of the battle before you've even started. But if you think of the Lord Jesus Christ and say, if the Lord Jesus Christ could have been born in my time, he could have taken the role of any person that he would have chosen to, and he could have lived that life in this day and age just as well as he lived that life that he lived at the time of his life. Now, the same thing could be true in saying it a little, little more personally, that Jesus Christ could have come in our body, and he could have lived the way he lived in us. Now, that's a stretch for us to see, but it's really critical that we begin to think that way. Uh, we have to have a vision of what this love would mean and what it would look like in not someone's daily life, but what would this vision of love look like as a Christian in my daily life? You have to have a vision for that. Now, the other thing you have to have is an intention. You have to say, that's really what I want. I want to be that kind of a person. I am intending to do that. Well, Paul would say, amen. And Paul would say, okay, go to work here. Think patience. Think about that. I, I, I don't think if, if I was to challenge you all and just say, here's what I want you to do for the rest of the afternoon. Make it manageable. Just for the rest of the afternoon. I want you to really think about being patient as a Christian exercising patience as a Christian. Looking here in front of me, and I saw the most impatient man you've ever seen in your life the other day. I witnessed him. He's broke down out there at, uh, where uh, Wesleyan Drive came into right there to Highway 41 at the traffic light. He had the intersection blocked and his hood was up and I looked over and I says, that's one of my poor sheep. I better go over there. <laughs> you know, he didn't take a long time to explain what the problem was. 
He says, my truck overheated. I need some water. Can you go get me some? <laughs> and he did. But look, what about if this afternoon we said, I'm going to exercise, I'm just going to work in this one. You see, if you say that, you have to get involved in intention. You have to get involved in intention. When you look down this and you think practically about this, there are occasions in our week, there are events, places that we go in our week, there are people that we have to interact with in our week that require one of these virtues more than the other. Could you decide as a Christian for Christ's sake, for his honor, for his glory, for the good of the other person, for the good of the situation that you're going to go into, I'm going to ask the Lord to give me patience. It's going to be my intention to act with patience. And please, Lord, hear my prayer and help me to do this. You have to have a vision for you being these things. Now, I'm always dealing with ministers. Ministers call me up on vacation. They call me up on my day off. It started a very long time ago, but they call. And often, it's officers. It's ministers, and they're having problems with officers. Now, you, you have, you got to have a vision for the officers, too. You can't just have a vision for the minister. So the guy will say, I, I, I just don't know if I can go through this meeting. Well, years ago, as a little child, growing up with family from primarily New York and New Jersey, down in South Florida where we were living, they had little figures of speech, manners of speaking. And I pulled one of those out regularly. And I'll say to this minister, you're going into that meeting? Yep. Can I do you a favor while you're in that meeting? They'll say, well, I, well what are you getting at? I says, well, why don't you call me up about 20 minutes before that meeting? And I'll take your goat. And what? I said, I'll take your goat. What in the world? I get that a lot. Even from a lot of you, I get that. What in the world are you talking about? I says, I just want your goat. If I've got your goat during the meeting, then nobody else can get it. You hear it? you got to think practically. I have had ministers repeatedly call me up before the meeting and said, will you take care of my goat for the next couple of hours? I said, yep, I know exactly what you want, and I'm going to take care of it, and I'll pray for them. And do you know if you have an intention not to get angry, not to respond in a negative way? If you have a vision to respond in a way that would bring honor and glory to Christ, if you have a vision for that and an intention for that, 
it's amazing how the Holy Spirit comes because the Holy Spirit comes to accomplish in us everything that Jesus Christ has come to accomplish for us. And so we need to look at this and we need to think of it very, very practically. When we look at these things that are negative here, when we talk about people that have a problem with envy or with boasting or with arrogance, with rudeness, insisting on their own way, they're irritable and resentful. They might even rejoice with wrongdoing. There's something wrong there. There's something missing there. There's something lacking there. You know, Paul prays in Colossians 1, and he prays that we would be filled with the knowledge of God's will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that we can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to be pleasing to him in every respect. It's very analogous to walking in love. Now the idea is the idea of displacement. The idea of displacement. Now you have a cylinder. Fred's got been thirsty and so he's drank both glasses of his beverage and they're empty. But they're not empty, are they? What's in those glasses? Air. air. Now, how do you get air out of a glass? Water. You displace it with something else. You put water in it. If you want to walk worthy of the Lord, you have to think on these things. You have to set your mind on these things. You have to, in the opposite, not set your mind on the other things. This is what you do. But what the Lord says is we pray, he displaces. He, by putting something where the problem is that's positive, he displaces that which is negative. So you pour water into a glass, and the air comes out, and you've got water in the glass. That's what we're praying for, very practically. Every one of us comes up short. None of us has got a full cup. None of us lives with a full cup. Sometimes our cup does overflow in certain times and in certain areas and in certain parts of our lives, but typically we're going around not totally filled, and we need to pray. Now, the question is, can you be totally filled? And the answer to that is, you can be totally filled with the Holy Spirit. But that does not mean that you are going to act totally in concert with the Spirit. You, you have the Spirit working in you. Now, what is the Spirit doing? We're told in Romans chapter 2 that as the Spirit is working in us and as we're seeking to live in love in these things, that our, that the, our conscience is either accusing us 
or defending us. And so we go through life interacting with one another. We're not perfectly filled with the ability to do all these things, but we are given the Holy Spirit to rely on, and as we rely on him, and as we have this vision for what we should be, then the Holy Spirit comes in and says, that's it. That's the way to do this. And you go away and you have a sense in which the Lord's spoken to you. But you go away after you've really missed the mark. And the Holy Spirit comes and he works accusingly to correct you. Remember how it says in 2 Timothy 3.16, All scripture is inspired by God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, may be equipped for every good work. It's very similar ideas here. Now, look at your life and think about it. Is your life exhibiting patience, kindness? When you come to these negative side of things, basically, does your life exhibit a level of humility? Do you have a level of fellow feeling for other people? that are irritating you? Do you understand that you cannot think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but that you ought to think of yourself as related to Christ and then as a fellow with the other people that are involved in this church? Now, this was a problem in this church. You had gifted people, and apparently in this church, there was an abundance of gifted people. Do you remember when Paul first went to this church in Corinth? He first showed up there. Things started to make some progress, and things got really bad in a big hurry. And Paul had not been there in He was praying, and the Lord came to him and spoke to him. You remember what the Lord said to Paul at that time? Don't be afraid, for I have many people in this place. Well, if the Lord has many people in this place, they're in that church, and he's gifted them. Well, then you begin to read about all the things that were a part of this church, this church had a pretty amazing spiritual life. Yes, it had some strong distortions. And some of the major distortions came with the greatness of the gifts that God had given because people began to think of themselves more highly than they ought to think. Now, you remember any other people that were doing that? Remember when Jesus was on the road to Jerusalem? And he's sitting there going down the road, and he hears them in the background. There's the 12. 
What are they discussing? Remember? Which one of them was the greatest? Sound familiar? It's very analogous here. What is it that the Lord's saying to them? If you want to be first of all, you have to be a what of all? A servant of all. Now, you begin to get this idea of humility here. If you have a vision that you are going to be a servant of other people, then you're not going to be envying and boasting. You're going to be looking for ways to help. You're not going to be arrogant, but you're going to be asking questions. You're not going to be rude, but you're going to be tender. And, and this is the kind of thing that we're looking at here. What is your vision? Can you see this in the Lord Jesus Christ? Can you see this in the man Paul who basically said to the same church, you have already become kings. Oh, that you had become kings. Because Paul knew that these people were taking all these things in pride to themselves, and he was among one, here's what he says again, I was amongst you as one who, what's the word again? Serves. That's the answer here. That's the antidote here. Now, when we come down to love never ends, the idea begins in this section with love never ends, and then it comes down and it says, faith, hope, and love abide, but the greatest of these is love. The idea of love never ending and love being the greatest of these things that are a part of faith, hope, and love. You look at yourself and you look at even the best person that you know. You say, this is the Billy Graham of our church, or whoever the person would be that you would equate like that. This is the great godly person in our church. I really, really enjoy looking at them and seeing what they're doing. I so much appreciate, and on and on and on you go. Let me tell you something. You're not even seeing the tip of the iceberg. You're not even, I, I, if you were watching them 24 hours a day, and you were scrutinizing everything that they did, and you found after weeks and weeks of looking at them, this person hardly ever does anything that anyone would ever want to speak against. You still aren't seeing even the tip of the iceberg. Because we only know in part. There is going to come a time when that which is perfect comes. That which is perfect is coming. So you may look at somebody that is just doing all of this well, and it may may cause you to not feel well about yourself. Well, the idea there is not to get caught up in that. But what he's saying in this passage, 
You've got to hope all things. You've got to have hope at all times. Look at Christ high and lifted up. You're being moved from here to there. You're now looking. I've got this old camera. It was in a trunk up at Pat's mother's home. And I like old cameras, so I pulled it out. And lo and behold, it's one of those that had the big square negatives like this. There were no pictures from it, just the negatives. But even more odd was that the negatives weren't made of film. They were made of glass. They were the old glass negatives. Now tell me, if I took that picture, that negative, and I got that turned into a picture, and I used the absolute best equipment known to man today, do you think that that picture would be all that good? The reason it won't be good is because the lens it was taken with is 150 years old. The glass that it was taken on, the way the emulsion was put on that glass to make a negative, that was really at the very beginning of the science. <laughs> it's not going to be all that quality. Let's just say it was developed perfectly. Things have changed in photography. It's going to be like that. You're struggling with patience. If you keep your vision and your intention you'll probably struggle less with patience because the Holy Spirit will come accomplishing more of Christ's work in you. But even if at the end of your life, like the old pastor who was the pastor to Stonewall Jackson, when he was dying, he became incredibly impatient with three or four other Presbyterian ministers who came to his side to comfort him. And then he broke down in tears. They says, well, Dr. White, why are you crying? He says, can I not have patience at the end? The Lord's been working in me, and here I am right at the end, and I'm not the kind of patience I want to have and exhibit. Don't fear. Faith, hope, love. These things are going to be completed when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. We know one another now in part. We'll know fully at that time. The promises that are here is that all of this is going to be realized. That is your end. Your end is that you will be like Christ, like the Holy Spirit, like the Heavenly Father. So if you've got that vision, then we need to bring it back into our lives of intention Amen. and reliance upon the Holy Spirit. Well, let's pray. Now that we could be these things, Father, by your gifts and by your grace, we could be an encouragement to one another. There's so many people that need encouragement. There's so many people that just need a cup of cold water in your name out of our lips that would just bless them and help us to be that. All around us are people that are stressed and strained and pulled. And we think with the temperatures of the last few days and the next few days, 
that will be even more extreme. So help us to rely upon your grace and to allow the Holy Spirit to bring to fullness the love of our Heavenly Father. We pray in his name with thanksgiving. Amen.